You're listening to the podcast Water X Future, presented by Aquaporin, a water technology company based in Denmark. Aquaporin works to preserve one of our most valuable resources, water, by combining advanced bioengineering, open innovation, and circular thinking. In this podcast, your hosts Mette Mulgaard and Josefine Audras talk to experts about water and all the opportunities and dilemmas it contains, technologies rooted in nature, the purpose of innovation, and the spectrum between science and humans. Welcome. Last time, we got a better understanding of the connection between art and science, and how the two actually supplement each other. In this episode, we're heading into space. We're going to try and figure out some of the technologies that help us realize space missions to places still unknown. To help us get closer to space, we talk with some of the sharpest minds in the field. First off, we speak with Jörg Vogel, who is Vice President of Technology at Aquaporin, and Aquaporin's main responsible of the Aquaporin Space Alliance. It works with water filtration and how to reuse water in space. Next, we speak with Thomas A.E. Andersen, who is the CEO of the Danish aerospace company. They develop innovative technologies that support the presence of humans in space. So heading into space is a big project. In this episode, we want to get a better understanding of some of the technologies helping us get there. In space, only the best technologies will do, and even microscopic adjustments and improvements make a huge difference if we want to realize missions to Mars. For Aquaporin, it is an opportunity to test new technologies and try out new tools in space, which also opens up a broad range of opportunities on Earth. So how difficult is it to get water in space? On Earth, an average person uses between 60 and 105 liters of water a day. On the International Space Station, an astronaut has approximately 6 liters a day. And this includes washing, brushing your teeth, trips to the toilet, and so on. The Danish aerospace company joined forces with Aquaporin in the Aquaporin Space Alliance. And together, they are working for the European Space Agency to develop a new type of semi-closed water recycling system for future testing on the International Space Station. They have been working on it since the Danish astronaut Andreas Mogensen went into space in 2015 and tested it for the first time. Their mission is to purify, for example, astronauts' urine and condensate from the space station so it can be used for drinking water. In this way, all precious drops of water can be reused. Let's hear from both parties now to get a better understanding of water's important role in space and how to reuse it. First, we hear from Jörg Vogel, who is Vice President of Technology at Aquaporin and Aquaporin's main responsible of the Aquaporin Space Alliance. He's going to tell us more about their space project and how far they are in developing a water filtration system for future space missions. Thank you. 
Jörg, thank you so much for joining us in this episode of the podcast. Can you explain what the Space Alliance is all about and what your role is? Uh, the Space Aquaporn Space Alliance is a collaboration or a joint venture between Danish Aerospace and, uh, and Aquaporn. We started out in Aquaporn with uh, working a bit with NASA. Like that's actually where we like tested our membranes, our prototype membranes. The first time outside of our lab was at NASA labs at Ames in uh, California. And then we had this uh, small kind of collaboration with them. And then our main investor also invested into Danish aerospace that already have equipment on the ISS and they have the, the, the training tools and some monitoring tools and so on. And since they have contacts to space agencies and know what is required to go into space, to send equipment into space, we made that joint venture. So it's basically like they, they know all about space. We know all about uh, filtering water and reusing water. And so we went together and made uh, the Aquaporn Space Alliance. So it was a joint venture because the two companies benefit from each other. The Danish aerospace company knows all about space and Aquaporin works with water filtration technologies. Let's hear more about the collaboration. My role in, the, in here is... I'm the main technical contact in Aquaporin for the Aquaporin Space Alliance. So we have as the CEO of the Aquaporin Space Alliance is also the, the CEO of Danish Aerospace. And they do most of the communications and also like the safety requirements and everything that we need to do. And but like the, the, the technology is mainly developed here at Aquaporin as well, especially when it comes down to the water park. And that's basically me as the only contact. And we will get back to NASA in a bit, but I would like to ask you why Aquaporin even decided to venture into space. I think like Peter Holmiensen, our CEO or former CEO now um, and founder of Aquaporin, he uh, uh, went to a conference in the US and then met with someone from NASA that was interested in water reuse in space and like trying new things. And to be honest, Aquaporin at that point was... Uh, a bold idea still well it is still um and uh reusing like some new tools that has not that have not been proven yet um is hard in the kind of more conservative water industry but it's easier in this industry like space because they are interested in all kind of you could almost say crazy ideas try it out see if it if it, if it makes their life easier so um so it was a quite an interesting well, start for Aquaporin to like test more with space related than actually like industry related uh, um, uh, waters or and, and, and ideas. But that's only because NASA or like the space industry is a bit more adventurous, you could say, because they, they have problems nobody else has and they want to like discover all new uh, things. Why was NASA interested in collaborating with Aquaporin? What kind of problem is it that Aquaporin can help solve in space regarding water, for example? There was, there, there, or there was, and still is, um, uh, a researcher in NASA called uh, Mike Flynn, um, who was very interested in the water reuse. He he works in, in with water reuse. He knows the uh, also what, how it's been done on the on the ISS right now. So, and he was looking for, okay, how can we make that system more efficient? And of course, the most efficient way is, well, our kidneys <laughs> and everything like uh, nature does. And then he like heard of the idea of like a water filtration device that like uses 
uh, nature's own water filters. And so, of course, he was interested and then like got into a conversation with Peter, actually. And, and, and from there on, it kind of developed. Okay. It's like, if you have something exciting, like, let me try it in my lab, he said, basically. So, uh, so that's, that's how it, how it started because he was looking for new ways of making a water filtration system uh, more, more efficient or also like smaller. And because right now it's a big cupboard or a bit bigger device in, on ISS. And especially if you look for smaller explorations, longer explorations, um, we, we have to change something. Then. Can you also explain to us what the problem is in space? Like if you have a space mission and if you are in space as an astronaut, where does the water come from? Like why do we why is water so crucial? Well water water is crucial for pure survival, right? Like everybody needs needs water. And the challenge in space is that you don't have any water source on your travels. Maybe you can find some on Mars, maybe on Moon, and they're they are looking for it. But in, in, in between or until you find something somewhere else, you have to resupply it from, from the Earth. That works fine for ISS because it's in lower Earth orbit. So you can send something up there. They have like reoccurring missions to go up there so they can resupply. If you don't have that resupply, then you either have to take all the water that you need for like a long distance. And that is a huge amounts. And that is a lot of kilos you have to fly up. And that's very expensive um, and takes a lot of space. Or you have to uh, reuse the water that you have. Of course, you like can't use 100%, reuse 100%. You always lose something, so you need a small reservoir anyways. But if you then can reuse, uh, NASA's aim is at like, I think 95% reuse on something of all the water up there. Then you can, of course, be a bit more self-sufficient. So you don't rely on resupplies that much. You You basically generate the water from the waste that you have. Um, and that's basically, if you if you think about a long travel, let's say to Mars, that takes several months. If you then have to take a, a, like a reservoir of a smaller reservoir, then your whole uh, spaceship can be like you can accommodate space for other things more. Um, you don't have to send that much kilos up into space um, and so on and so forth. So it makes life a lot easier if you reuse what you have. That makes absolutely sense. And how far is Aquaporin Space Alliance right now in developing the water filtration membrane for space missions? Uh, we had a first actually test on ISS together with Andreas Monsen, like the Danish astronaut, when he had his uh, his trip up to ISS. He tested one of our filters, so like we had the kind of proof of principle that it works and that you can use uh, like an aquaporin filter for urine uh, or water recovery from urine and condensate. Um, it was tested again by, I think it was a French astronaut afterwards, um, like, a, a, like a similar device. And now we kind of have to, um, we're working with, uh, with ESA on making an actual device. Um, so there's, of course, one thing is the proof of principle. The other thing is to actually make an, 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 an device that can operate by itself and does all the filtration uh, that you need. And like we have a first breadboard um, that we, we tested on, on, on Earth here. And now we have to refine that and make it, of course, into a, a flight ready model. Um, so like there's certain twists, turns, adjustments that you have to do to like actually make it make it easier because in the lab you can have something standing where you can like attach extra things here and there and like you can modify a little bit. If you want to do that for a, like an actual flight test, you have to do a lot more. Um, so like that will take another a bit of some time, year, two, three years, maybe, I'm not sure. 
hopefully we can do it within one, to make a proper device that then functions by itself. That's really fascinating. So you say right now that it's actually possible with this Aquaporin filter to filter the urine. So it was possible for Andreas Monsen, the Danish astronaut, to drink actually his own pee. Well, well, in, in in principle, they always drink their own pee up there because they have a they actually have a filtration device up in on ISS that like takes condensate and like the urine from all astronauts and filters that and they drink that again. However, with that small device that we had up there, like he wasn't able to drink that. It was a proof of principle device. It was uh, sealed uh, properly because we can't we couldn't yet at that point ensure that it's all safe to drink. And you don't want to risk anything when you're up there. So it was in sealed bags. We tested it. So it was a, a pure scientific test with no tasting afterwards. And um, we taste, we, however, we tasted urine on, on Earth. You could, um, um, if you know Danish television a little bit, there was once a live show of the, uh, the, like, uh, what's it called? I, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about space and uh, space exploration, also in connection with Andreas Monsen and so on, where our former CTO, uh, Klaus Helix Nielsen, actually on live camera together with the two moderators of that show, like filtered pee through one of our filters and drank it afterwards. Okay, that's very interesting. So can you say something about what this collaboration mean for the Aquaporin Space Alliance? And the collaboration with, with ESA and NASA? Or? Exactly. Like on one side, it means uh, opportunities and exposure, of course. So it makes us uh, a bit a bit more visible, um, especially in the beginning, that was quite uh, quite needed. But the crucial thing is it provides us with background information that we would otherwise wouldn't have. So you go uh, to like conferences or you talk to NASA or ESA researchers and you can actually like get to know what are the exact problems, what are the exact requirements of such a system, how much safety margin do they need, like what kind of minerals and like what power supply even you have on the ISS and like what, how much space you could get to make a device. Like all those like crucial requirements, that's what you get from them directly. So like this collaboration, like gives us something to aim at, like and work properly towards to. And of course it gives us feedback because we, since we have uh, a collaboration and they like uh, fund some of our work and we like provide them with all the insights and our development, they can give feedback. And that's, that's very valuable. Like you, you, you can't develop a device without it. Yeah, so it's a win-win relationship. You both get something really important out of it. I think so, yes. Let's look into the future. What are the expectations regarding the reuse of water at space stations? Um, as I mentioned beforehand, um, I think NASA aims at 95% water recovery in total. That would be great. And it will always be essential. There is different different aims they look at. There is a... There's the space stations, there's the permanent space stations, there's spaceships, there's space stations where only like people come once in a while. And then of course there's the, 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 the stations on, on planets or moon and so on and so forth. They have of course different requirements. So like they will have to develop further tools or further like um, additions to the water recovery devices, but water recovery is essential like for every space exploration that you do. So like NASA and ESA will always look into that. And actually there's a whole, if you go to uh, one of the the main conferences, we, all, we also go to like the ICES, um, the International Conference on Environmental Systems. 
And there's a whole section, I think it's now two days or so, um, that's only for water reuse um, because it is a crucial thing. So it will always be there and they need water recovery systems in different sizes. And and so it is quite an interesting journey to go with them. Um, there's also others that work on devices and I think a, a combination or sometimes one or the other will uh, will will work. So they will actually have a multitude of tools uh, that they can use. Good luck on this journey. We are excited to follow along. The conservative water industry and the more creative space industry turned out to be a win-win for both parties. For Aquaparin, it means they get to test their technologies in space. And the Danish aerospace company gets technology from a company specialized in water filtration and reuse of water. We still haven't found water in space, so it's essential for space missions to secure water. With this collaboration, it's possible to generate water from the waste you have and reuse it, even urine. Now we turn to Thomas A.E. Andersen, who is the CEO of the Danish Aerospace Company, and who will explain more about the problem with clean water in space and other important space technologies. Thomas, can you start by introducing yourself and Danish Aerospace Company? Yes, my name is Thomas A. Andersen. I am the CEO of Danish Aerospace Company. I have been with the company for 33 years and it's been a CEO the past 10 years. Danish Aerospace Company developed medical uh, equipment and other equipment needed for human spaceflight, uh, like exercise equipment, health monitoring equipment. But we have also, together with Aquaporin, uh, created a 50-50% joint venture called Aquaporin Space Alliance, which utilizes Aquaporin's filter technology in space. So the Danish Aerospace Company is a high-tech company operating in the area of advanced medical instrumentation and other engineering fields within space applications. And now they collaborate with Aquaporin in the project called Aquaporin Space Alliance to use their filter technologies in space. Let's hear more about the work. And why has the Danish aerospace company started a collaboration with Aquaporin? Historically, because we originally had the uh, same owners, Aquaporin has the expertise in uh, Aquaporin uh, water filtration membranes, and Danish aerospace has the experience in developing technology for human spaceflight. And uh, humans in space needs between four and six liters of water per day. And uh, launching one kilo into space costs roughly 300,000 Danish kroners or 50,000 US dollar. So you can see every kilo of water which can be reused in space uh, will turn uh, profitable. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? How big a problem it actually is with clean water in space? Water in space is extremely important because it's used in many applications. Of course, it is used as drinking water. Uh, a lot of the food is actually dehydrated when launched uh, to save upload mass and then water is added in space. The batteries in some uh, spacecraft are actually utilizing water to generate uh, oxygen and, uh, and other uh, gases that are needed in the cabin atmosphere. 
Water is used in the spacesuits whenever they go out in the spacewalk for, for, for cooling the astronauts and keeping them, let's say, uh, from overheating during the hard work in the spacesuit. And of course, uh, there's a lot of humidity in the air in, in the cabins on the space station that is being reused. Uh, so uh, water is extremely essential uh, for humans in space. And when the Danish astronaut Andreas Mogensen was sent into space in 2015, the water filters from Acroporin played a crucial role. Can you tell us what happened and what role Danish Aerospace Center played? Yeah, uh, together with Acroporin, uh, we devised an experiment that Andreas Mogensen performed on his uh, during his 10-day stay on ISS which was to prove that the aquaporin filters was actually working in space. Because in space you have no gravity, and also uh, this uh, la- lack of gravity means there's no convection in the fluids. But fortunately, the experiment shows that the aquaporin filtration uh, system and filters was working very well in zero-g. Since this mission to space in 2015, what have you been working on together with Aquaporin? We have continued uh, uh, to develop the water technology for space. Uh, uh, we tested the membrane themselves in space with Andreas Mogensen. And at the same or afterwards, we have, with small contracts from a European space agency, uh, enhanced various technology area in order to uh, build a system which can uh, reuse urine from the astronauts and turn it into water on future space missions. The cost to transport water and other supplies into space is immensely high. Therefore, it's extremely important to create a better water filtration system on the space stations so they can reuse water. And what is the goal with the collaboration with Aquaporin? What do you want to achieve? Can you say something about that? Yes, uh, the goal is that actually right now we uh, will start building a laboratory, a full laboratory prototype of a urine recycling system, which basically uh, takes the urines connected from the astronaut and have a high reuse, uh, 90 plus something percent of the water, which can be used in drinking water uh, on station. And eventually we uh, we, we hope uh, to build a prototype and do a technology demonstration on the International Space Station to show how this technology can be used in the future. But also, of course, this technology could have application on ground in remote areas, uh, disaster areas and other kind of, uh, let's say, extreme circumstances where they are needing for creating uh, clean water with uh, very low resources. And when is the next mission? Yeah, right now we will, uh, uh, we actually just uh, got confirmation from the Danish ministry that we will start uh, the work hopefully early next year on this breadboard. And uh, once we have completed that uh, within 12 to 14 months, we hope uh, to get a contract from the European Space Agency to build a prototype and, and, and fly it on ISS, hopefully somewhere around 2024. And will this as well be with Andreas Monsen or another Danish astronaut? Time will tell. Andreas Mogensen is uh, due to get a second flight opportunity. Uh, nobody knows yet when he will fly, but of course uh, we hope it's going to be Andreas uh, who will have to run our hardware once in space. Okay. 
And now this is a podcast we make for AgriPorn, but we would also like to talk about other examples of space technologies, which are just as important to realize the dream about Mars. Can you give us some examples? Yes, uh, some of the other technologies we are working off is, on is actually uh, exercise and countermeasure. Because when we go into space as humans, we go into zero gravity, which means uh, we see a lot of bone loss, a deconditioning of our uh, cardiovascular system, our muscles and so on. So every astronaut in space today actually exercises two hours per day on exercise equipment. So that's basically the same you and I do here on ground without going to the gym or doing any fitness. So exercise equipment is extremely important, which is why we have built it for the US space shuttles when they flew until the retirement. We have had some of our exercise equipment on the International Space Station uh, for almost 20 years now. And we are building the next generation of small, smaller and more versatile exercise equipment where we combining cycling, rowing, resistive and rope pulling in one device that is initially will be tested on the space station, hopefully with Andreas Monsen, but is actually also recommended by both ESA and NASA to be used on the gateway space station that is going to be built in orbit around the moon. It sounds very interesting and I'm wondering if these space technologies can also be used on Earth. It can. Uh, uh, the, the, let's say the challenge is of course uh, developing equipment for space with zero gravity is uh, quite more expensive than doing let's say uh, equipment for our fitness gyms here on Earth. But there could be other extreme environments, uh, Antarctica stations, uh, submarines and other extreme environments where exercise equipment and health monitoring under extreme conditions are important. Thank you, Thomas. That was actually all for now. You're welcome. So there are many different aspects, dilemmas and new opportunities with space travel and with the collaboration between the Danish Aerospace Company and Aquaporin. First of all, with the reuse of urine from astronauts, where the Aquaporin technologies play an important role, but also with space exercise equipment for the astronauts, which we can only hope will be tested by Andreas Mogensen on the next mission. This was the eighth episode of the podcast series WaterX Future, presented by Aquaporin. We hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and are ready to head into the new year with us. The first episode of 2022 will be about open innovation, which from day one has been the philosophy at Aquaporin. If you, just like us, can't get enough of space technologies, tune in to the 50th episode of the podcast Discovery Matters, which will air in February next year. Here, they will explore biotech's instrumental role in realizing the vision of sustained life in space. Amongst others, they will be joined by our very own Jörg Vogel. We're constantly on the lookout to improve and develop our podcast. If you have any comments or thoughts, send us a message on Facebook and we'll get right back to you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back soon. <laughs>